right, Evan, welcome to the Block Hash Podcast, live episode 208. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Of course, of course. Anytime. Uh, very excited to talk to you and talked about fauna today and dive into a lot of cool stuff. Um, tell me first a little bit more about yourself. Very curious about your backgrounds. What did you, you know, do in crypto and blockchain before this or what was your career? How did you kind of lead into fauna? Yeah, so I'm Evan. I'm co-founder and CTO of Fauna. Fauna is a serverless database that offers a GraphQL API. So my background is uh, software infrastructure Uh, after grad school. In grad school, I worked on the the chicken genome, actually. Never touched bioinformatics again, but it was big data. Um, I worked at CNET. I did Chow.com and Urban Baby, which were early social media sites. And then I worked at Twitter. I was employee 15 at Twitter ended up running what we called the software infrastructure team that you know scaled twitter.com built the api built all the distributed storage and you know kind of spent my career focused on replicated and distributed storage high scale low latency consumer applications and that led into the fauna project which is now you know philosophically aligned with blockchain and we see a lot of usage from the crypto community yeah, what was your experience like with Twitter? Um, what what role did you have, and um, how, how did you like working there? So it was uh, it was it was basically when I joined, it was total chaos, and when I left, it was partial chaos. So we made huge progress in the meantime. But I was there four years, two thousand eight through two thousand twelve. Uh, Jack Dorsey hired me. I started as an engineer and then became a manager and then ultimately a director of a team of about 35 people. Um, so for for us, like, you know, t- Twitter's challenge was Twitter was the the vanguard of mobile first consumer adoption. Like Facebook had come out a couple years before us, and what Facebook was able to do was go school by school. I don't know. Um, I don't know if any of our listeners remember in the the, the ancient days of the 2000s, but you know, Facebook initially was just a single university kind of application. You can only talk to people who are in the same physical school as you. So they could partition their infrastructure. They didn't have to communicate between these basically shards, basically, of the application stack. But Twitter was for everybody. There was no segmentation in the network. You know, it was like blockchains in that way. Um, anyone could communicate and transact with anybody so we we had to solve a lot of technical problems which were at the time unsolved especially in social media it was soft real time had to be highly available had to be globally available and then you know let anyone post read follow reply interact direct message with anyone else regardless of where they were in the world so we 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 you know essentially when i got there i inherited basically an apache server uh, a Rails application, you know, written in Ruby, quite slow, uh, quite unreliable, and a single MySQL server as a database. You know, no replication, no backups, no partitioning, nothing. And we we had to build, you know, in production, take that live running system and migrate it to a distributed architecture. And there was nothing off the shelf in, you know storage technology database technology that was even marketed to do what we needed to do at the time like we rejected a lot of things like mysql cluster like mongodb you know and ended up doing custom things just for twitter but when we started fauna you know there's only so many companies in the world you know so many users who need like a hyperscale social graph there's a lot of people who need 
globally distributed, transactional, secure, private data access. So we, we wanted to build a more general purpose solution rather than just commercialize what we had done at Twitter. Gotcha. So it was a lot of what went into Fauna inspiration from what you guys were working on at Twitter? It, it was. Our, our, our dream really was to, you know, let small teams like we were at Twitter. I mean, and when I joined, there were like five other, five other engineers. You know, let teams like that build applications and, you know, stay focused for their entire journey on building their product and delivering their value to their users, not having to build infrastructure, not having to, you know, learn all these operational skills and architect things every time you grow 10x. And I think, you know, there's a lot of parallels there with what's happening in the crypto space now, especially, especially mm -hmm. with distributed apps. Yeah, it seems like a good fit if you're going distributed uh, route to integrate blockchain in some kind of way. So what what is Fauna more specifically? What are you guys trying to accomplish? So Fauna is a, a, a serverless database. It offers a GraphQL API. It's it's designed to be as flexible as possible to build kind of general purpose, user-facing consumer or like SaaS application. So things like pretty much any anything with a web app, anything you would use on your phone could potentially be backed by something like Fauna. Got it. Um, have you guys, do you guys have any customers right now or what, what do your clients look like? And do you guys have any use cases um, as examples? We, 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 we do. Um, we, <clears throat> our customers kind of segment, you know, there's people building traditional SaaS applications. You know, there's not really a blockchain connection there. There's people building traditional consumer applications and there's people building D apps, you know, like digital AX or Acor. And what, what we see from, especially the, the people in the crypto spaces, you know, they're building either on chain or with a side chain or some solution like that. And they have additional, especially user data that they need to store off chain, make sure it's secure, private, but still, you know, globally accessible, highly available, you know, can be accessed from where the applications are deployed, you know, usually browsers, mobile devices, that kind of thing. And it, it works really well with Fauna because then you get you know, effectively like your, your public verifiable, but you know, slow and transaction focused blockchain for your financial components, transactional components, whatever they may be. And then another place where you can both duplicate that data and slice and dice it, make it indexable, make it queryable, like you see with some of the, um, you know, other more vertically integrated or special purpose blockchain solutions um, that will take like Ethereum and let you query its metadata and that kind of thing. If you want to do that specifically for your own app, you're the only one who knows the semantics of, of your transactions, what your user base needs. So you can both duplicate that data and then decorate it in Fauna with additional application data that's not appropriate to shove through the blockchain for everything. Gotcha. Um, how are you guys combining what you guys are doing with these AP, APIs with blockchain? Are you using blockchain or wanting to use blockchain for the distributed uh, database stuff or do you want to use it for other purposes as well? So Fauna uses an algorithm called Calvin which is designed to be very low latency, but also 
you know, it's it's not <clears throat> it, it, it's private essentially. It's within Fauna's own global cluster, and that perimeter has to be secure. But that that allows us to you know deliver a lot of the properties that blockchain has in a lower latency way. For example, Fauna is temporal, so you can audit everything that happens with the data in the database. You can go back in time and see, you know, how did this user change? What's the what's the trail of history for these particular Fauna transactions? You could potentially synchronize that with your blockchain transactions to make the blockchain transactions more queryable. But we we see them you know they're aligned kind of philosophically and in terms of the operational architecture fun is serverless you don't have to deploy anything you don't have to manage anything you don't have to worry about setting up firewalls and aws or that kind of thing it's low latency because it's globally distributed wherever your users are they can access fauna but at the same time you know because it's not a blockchain itself it offers a lot of the things that you're missing if you're trying to build basically a full-featured consumer-style application on a blockchain only. Do you guys want to leverage blockchain in any kind of way, or do you feel like you have it figured out um, the way it is right now? So we we don't intend to change Fauna's core architecture, you know, to integrate more blockchain concepts. What we want to do is make sure that Fauna's interfaces are adapted to the needs of people building on blockchain. So right now, Fauna's primary interface is GraphQL. A lot of people in the crypto community are familiar with GraphQL. They, they use it for their own applications and APIs. You know, making it easier to access, making it easier to, for example, import and export Ethereum or sidechains to Fauna, things specific to your application will make it easier for people to build successful dApps on both whatever their chain of choices and Fauna. Got it. Are you guys mostly focused on the decentralized apps or do you guys also want to work with traditional apps like on the iOS store and Android store um, or how broad do you guys want to get? Yeah, I mean, we started working with traditional apps and then we saw people from the distributed community coming looking for a solution like us so this is this has been a you know a pull process for us we're not blockchain native you could say mm -hmm. what kind of dApps have you guys um been working with thus far so we we've we've seen some stuff where you know there's like digital good transactions and nfts are being exchanged but there's also you know user credentials and profiles and additional data around that we've seen storage applications where there's you know um, the core data is being put on chain but then the metadata needs to be made accessible and indexable off chain and is replicated to fauna that kind of thing okay got it um how, what kind of ways do you guys want to improve upon this or scale it up for the rest of 2022 or do you guys have like a roadmap uh, or a timeline of things you want to do that you guys want to execute going into the rest of the year yeah so our our, our team is about 50 people right now we've been growing pretty steadily um we're mostly focused on two things you know 
making Fauna itself easier to use and easier to operate. So like improving the GraphQL experience, adding more features like the import and export from other data sources, including Ethereum and, and similar chains. And then at the same time, you know, kind of maturing the, the, the business experience, getting compliant with, with stuff like SOC. And I know like, you know, the people building distributed apps, like speaking frankly or not, like super enthused about compliance and regulation mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So it's a little bit less of a concern to people who are getting started in the DApp community. But um, at the same time, you know, everyone who matures is gonna face these same obstacles, things like GDPR, storing user data, you know, can you make it compliant and secure? Mm -hmm. Can you ensure that it's private? You know, how do you slice and dice what goes on chain and what goes off chain and that kind of thing. So it's really these two focuses, making it <clears throat> making it easier and you know, an easier and more complete application building experience and then maturing the operational and compliance profile of the system so that we're 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 there when people grow and start to start to need those kind of things. Yeah, is there any kind of compliance or regulatory concerns um, in doing this that most people don't think about that you guys have thought of, or is it kind of minimal? Um, it's not minimal. I mean, one of the big things that has come up in the last couple of years is is really data residency. You know, there's GDPR, but there's also a host of other you know, less known local laws, including in the U.S., that say that if you have a user base in some location, their data has to remain in that location, not just be stored there, but you're not even supposed to like let it traverse outside of those geographic boundaries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a feature we shipped last year is called region groups. And what that feature does is it lets you set up in Fauna specific logical databases where data within those databases is restricted in terms of its replication and its its distribution so then you can have you know one set of users who are in the u.s they only interact with u.s servers and all their data remains in the u.s at the same time your users you know, like in in europe they don't want their data in the u.s so that creates a complicated infrastructure you know operational experience unless you have tools mm -hmm. which support it directly there's less of a concern, you know, for the on-chain data, it's all public anyway, and users are specifically, you know, subscribing to submitting public data when they transact on a chain, but for everything that's not public, you really have to be you know, mindful of the data residency concerns. Yeah, I've had discussions about that before in terms of doing things in specific jurisdictions. Um, with blockchain with crypto and then decentralized aspect of that like if you're doing something that's decentralized or distributed or even on blockchain is that localized to a certain jurisdiction and do you have to follow certain guidance or is it out of that jurisdiction um have you guys given that thought or pondered it like if you were doing something that was completely decentralized um with, with the servers um, or with APIs, anything along that line, where maybe it's outside of jurisdiction because it's decentralized uh, and doesn't necessarily belong to one locality? Um, or is that something you guys have pondered at all? I mean, Fauna, speaking technically, is a fully distributed and decentralized system. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, mm -hmm. only operated by us. So there's no, right. like, there's no Fauna 
like primary region or server, we can set up right. as many copies of the data around any specific geography that we please. But at the end of the day, you know, everyone is subject to some, you know, some legal jurisdiction. So especially sure. as you start to interact with either other companies' services, you know, you want to use the API for a, a game, for example, that game. You know, that the company that makes that game has a legal jurisdiction. They're subject to law, including you know how you treat the data from their users that you acquire from the API, or you know any kind of financial thing that interacts with the traditional financial system also becomes subject to it. So I think you know to the, the extent things are purely public, it's basically fine. But it's when you start to interact with existing private data, existing data or resources that are already under under you know, legal constraints that you have to start to care about this stuff. Right. Uh, one more question, then we'll start wrapping it up. Um, on security with traditional APIs and, and stuff along these lines, um, is there a uh, security concerns or anything along those lines that would be... Um, more or less resolved using fauna or that makes it safer um, to store data or to have servers uh, set up in this kind of way? Yeah, so fauna, fauna offers a, a security layer called, called ABAC, attribute-based access control, which basically lets you, you know, define in a very granular way who is allowed to interact with what parts of the data set in what way. So that makes it very easy to enforce at the database level, you know, what is accessible. And like a, a lot of times people get in trouble because like, you know, if you try to add these kind of security controls in the application, then not only do they have to be correct, but the application itself has to be executed in a secure environment. And if you're writing most of your, your logic for your app, your business logic, like on the device, on the phone, in the browser, then you don't actually have a secure environment. Mm -hmm. where you can enforce security rules. So it's very helpful to have them in the database so deep that the database can then be publicly accessible over the internet like any other API and Fauna offers you that. Got it. Um, where can people go to learn more about Fauna and what you guys do and what you guys offer? Um, just the website, you guys have social media, do you guys have a community yeah, our, our... Facebook chat? Yeah, there's a there's a Discord, there's a Twitter account at Fauna. Our website is fauna.com, F-A-U-N-A, and it's 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 free to use. You know, if you scale up, then there are plans to pay for pay for additional features, and you pay for you know per usage as you grow. It's completely serverless. So, um, yeah, if you're familiar with GraphQL, if you're familiar with JavaScript, you'll feel right at home using Fauna. Okay, perfect. Um, Evan, thank you for taking the time uh, to be on the show. Talk uh, lives easier for you know dApps and, and and applications in the space and what you guys are doing from a decentralized and distributed standpoint. I think it's really cool. Um, very excited to see how you guys kind of grow going through the rest of twenty twenty two. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. See you next time. Ciao.